Um, but today we are closing out a series that we've been calling Traveling Light. Next Sunday we're going to launch into something brand new. We are going to journey together through the book of Philippians. And Philippians is so incredibly rich and encouraging and uplifting. And so I look forward to getting to take that journey together. But over the last month or so, um, we have been saying this repeatedly, that everybody has a suitcase. Um, Everybody has a suitcase and we all have something in our suitcase, whether it's a hurt, a habit, a hang-up, a secret, a, a sin, whatever is in your suitcase, everybody has something. And so we've asked this question, what is in yours? What do you need to be willing to open it up, peer inside and say, okay, Lord, it's time for me and you to work on this together because I know this, Christians were meant to travel a lot. You see, Christ came and he died for our sins. He came to release us from burdens and to give us freedom. And so there's nothing in our bags, so to speak, that we can't be free of. And so Christ wants to work in our life if we will work with him. And so what's in your suitcase? It could be um, unforgiveness, it could be past hurts, it could be worry um, and anxiety, it could be sadness, it could be loss, it could be people pleasing. Um, We could go on and on and on. What is in your suitcase? And when we become Christians, this process starts where Jesus works with us to clean everything out of our suitcase. And maybe you're here at the end of this series and all along you've been kind of thinking of some things that need to be cleaned out well today is your day where you can say okay Lord it's time for me to be honest with myself and for me to be honest with you let's dig in let's be obedient and let's work together and a great place to start to do that by the way is at a place on Tuesday nights called celebrate recovery every Tuesday night 6 to eight thirty. I went this last week it was an amazing time they're doing some incredible things there and so if you've been curious about it I would encourage you to check out celebrate recovery Tuesday nights at six o'clock and so today as we close out this last series I want to begin with this question you mad Anything that you are angry about right now, are there things that in life they just really sort of get your goat and give you a little bit of difficulty? Uh, Seems like there's always somebody mad about something, am I right? And if you struggle finding somebody mad, all you got to do is get on social media and you'll find plenty of just angry people. I'm like, why are you guys all so mad? But anger is an emotion that we all have and it's an interesting emotion because it's, there's so many um, aspects of anger. Now for some of us, anger is something we experience but it's not much of a problem. For some of us, anger is something we feel very deeply and perhaps it is a persistent problem in our lives. And so today as we close out our last topic to unpack together, so to speak, is the topic of anger. Now, several years ago, I think I've told you this before, I would teach an eight-hour class on managing anger once a month on Saturdays. Let me tell you what, it was a blast. It was a ton of fun, Uh, but think about it. Today, you're stuck with me for 30 minutes talking about anger. They had me for eight hours. Now, I would bring pizza to kind of sweeten the deal just a little bit. Uh, Maybe they want to be there a little more. Um, and maybe I'd let them out 30 minutes early, but we, we would spend the whole Saturday talking about anger. So I, sa- I say that to tell you this. 
We will not unpack everything there is about anger in 30 minutes, but today we're going to take a little bit of inventory, ask, okay, how am I managing this area of my life? Because the Bible has a lot to say about it. In fact, Paul says, if we're not careful with anger, we give, we give the devil sort of an opportunity in our lives. And so it's, it is, it's an important topic. Um, but also in that class on Saturday mornings, I would always begin by asking this question. Why are you taking my class? Why are you here for eight hours on a Saturday? And this was usually the answer I got. Well, you know, um, I don't really need it, but my boss says I do. <laughs> okay. Um, or, you know, I don't, I'm not really a mad person, but my, my spouse thinks I am. Well, maybe there's a reason for that. Um, or, you know, the court said I need to be here, but this is not a problem. Don't we have this amazing capacity to lie to ourselves? And to say, you know what, I don't really have a problem here. But I had one lady came in. Why are you here? She said, well, last weekend I stabbed my husband. And uh, I said, do you think you need this class? She's like, oh, absolutely. And uh, so I was like, finally, some honesty here. Um, and, you know, and that's kind of a funny story. But, but really, um, the thing that I want us to see is anger always sort of leads to something if it's not left um, dealt with. If it's left unchecked, it, it, it leads somewhere. Now, last year in 2021, fresh stati statistics, um, there was 19,600 people murdered in the United States. Now, why is that? And often when murder takes place, it's usually at the hand of someone you know. And that behavior flows out of something that began with an angry moment you think about Cain and Abel in the Bible all the way back to Genesis where Cain kills his brother Abel it was the result of some jealousy on Cain's part it left unchecked it got channeled into anger and Cain takes Abel's life now this morning we're probably all saying well you know what I would never murder someone and I hope not I pray that that's the case but how often do we say hurtful things and how often do we talk bad about other people? And how often do we let bitterness or resentment just sort of go unchecked? Maybe we even could say that we hate people sometimes. I hope not. And maybe you say, no, I don't hate anyone. But I've met pl plenty of Christians that talk about people or talk to people in such a way that it sort of kind of seems like hate. Now, 1 John 3.15 says this, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Now this is, the, this is the interesting thing to me about Christianity is we tend to think of behaviors, but Jesus always brings it back down to the heart. We think, well, you know what? As long as I'm not doing something wrong, it's okay. Jesus says, well, I'm glad you're not doing something wrong, but how is your actual heart? Because if I hate someone or I have resentment or bitterness towards someone, that is a heart issue. And so often we deceive ourselves and it's so easy. You know, you hear, you hear psychologists talk and they talk about things like denial and it's like, yeah, yeah, okay, denial. But you know, I really believe in that. I think it's scriptural. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things. We have this capacity to lie to ourselves and say, you know what? I don't have a problem. Now, Anger is multidimensional because some people tend to think, well, you know what, if I'm not slamming doors or yelling and cussing and screaming, well, I don't have a problem with anger. Well, that's not necessarily true. Or some people will say, you know what, the only place I get mad is at work. I don't have a problem with anger. It would show up everywhere in my life. Well, talk to your coworkers, right? Or I've heard people say, I'm only mad at my wife. If she would just fix the problem, I wouldn't have this anger. 
That's just blaming somebody else for the problem. And handling anger can look different for different people. Now, let me tell you a little bit about my experience with anger. You know, I would have never considered myself to be an angry person. I thought I was a picture of kindness. I mean, come on. Um, never considered it. Now, when Devin and I first got married, this should have been my first clue. Um, any, do y'all, anybody here ever get a little road rage sometimes? You don't show your hand. But, um, but, but sometimes, uh, have you ever cussed anybody out with your horn? Not with your mouth, with your horn where they cut you off in traffic and you give them the, you know what I mean? Um, I would do that sometimes, but I thought that's what everybody does when people are a jerk in traffic. Didn't think I had a problem with anger. Well, I'll tell you a story. It's probably been seven or eight years ago. Hayden was little. Holland wasn't here. Um, Hadley was a baby. And Devin and I had gone somewhere. I don't remember where. And we got back around 9.30. Um, it was middle of July. It was hot, muggy. The mosquitoes were so bad they would carry. I thought they were going to carry Hadley off. That's how bad they were. Um, so we get home. And my lovely, wonderful wife had locked the keys inside the house. Now, I call my parents and I say, hey, we're locked out. Do y'all have a spare set of keys? They're like, no, we don't, but we'll ride over and see if we can help you get in. So they come over. Now, I know this is hard for you to believe, but I was a bit of a jerk toward my wife because it was her fault that we were locked out of the house. And the kids are crying, they're hungry. Took us two hours, we had to call a locksmith, 150 bucks to get back into your own house. And uh, I was a very unpleasant individual. Now, my response should have been, hey, we're all locked out. We're all in this together. Let's go get ice cream while the guy tries to get in the house. That would have been the correct response. But instead, I chose to be Mr. Nasty. So we get in the house. My parents left, I think probably because they were tired of me. And my mom calls that night after everybody's in bed. It's not unusual for my mom to call about 11 or 12 o'clock because she knows I'm usually up. She calls. She says, hey, I'll tell you something. I said, yeah, what's that? I was happy right now. She said, hey, you know what? I think, uh, I think you have a problem with anger. And guess what? It made me angry. <laughs> and uh, I said, I have a problem with anger. Of course, you know, I try to be respectful with my mom. She's my mom. So I politely told her in the most politest way I could to go pound sand and I don't have a problem I don't have a problem with anger well well, it kept me up and I saw about it more and more that night and it started to make me mad that she was right I did have a problem with anger I didn't want to admit it because that's not what we want to do we want to say you know what I'm a good little Christian man or woman and I don't struggle with things but here's what I know we struggle with things and the best thing we can do is to be honest about our struggles So this morning, I'm going to give you that opportunity. Now, you're not going to come up here and testify, but if you'll notice on the back of your bulletin, on the back of your handout, I gave you a little quizzy quiz. And uh, I'm going to read through these. What I want you to do, this is a quick quick and dirty. Um, I just want you to put a check by the ones that pertain to you. Now, if you really want to have fun with this, when you get home, you and your spouse can swap and answer these for one another and see if your answers match up. So here's the quiz real quick. I don't want to take up too much time. Number one. Impatience comes over me more frequently than I would like. Check. I nurture critical thoughts quite easily. When I am displeased with someone, I may shut down all communication and withdraw. I feel inwardly annoyed when friends or family do not comprehend my needs. Life's all about me. Tension mounts within me as I tackle a demanding task. I feel frustrated when I see someone else having fewer struggles than I do. 
When facing an important event, I may obsessively ponder how I must manage it. Sometimes I walk in another direction to avoid seeing someone I don't like. You ever do that? We won't talk about it. When discussing a controversial topic, my tone of voice is likely to become more persuasive. I can accept a person that admits their mistakes, but I have a hard time accepting someone that refuses to accept their own weaknesses. When I talk about my irritations, I don't want to hear an opposite point of view. I do not easily forget when someone does me wrong. It's logged in there. When someone confronts me from a misinformed position, I'm thinking of my rebuttal as he or she speaks. Sometimes my discouragement makes me want to quit. I can become quite aggressive in my business pursuits or even when playing a game for fun. I struggle emotionally with things in life that are not fair. Although I may not be right, I sometimes blame others for my problems. When someone speaks ill of me, my natural response is to think of how I can defend myself. Sometimes I speak slanderously of a person, not really caring how it may harm their reputation. I may act kindly on the outside while feeling frustrated on the inside. Sarcasm is a trait I use in expressing humor. When someone is clearly annoyed with me, I too easily jump into the conflict. At times, I struggle with moods of depression and discouragement. I've been known to take an I don't care attitude toward the needs of others. Sometimes I have conversations in my head with other people where I tell them exactly what I think. When I'm in an authority role, I may speak too sternly or insensitively. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to total all those up. So count your check marks. You may have one, you may have two, you may have more than that. Um, If you have 10 checks or more, Uh, Your anger is probably more of a problem than you would like. If you have 15 checks or more, you are prone to being, anger is prone to being a destructive force in your life. Now, I took this this survey, this quiz um, from a book that I used to teach out of for, for anger management. Now, that is just for your own personal assessment. Now, suppose you don't have any checks or just a few. Great. I would still encourage you to take to heart what we're talking about today in God's word because once again, anger is one of those things that can just kind of crop up in your life, kind of sneak up on you. Um, For those of us with more checks, I really want us to hear what the Apostle Paul has to speak to us this morning um, when it comes to our anger. So if you have your Bibles, we're gonna jump in. Ephesians chapter four, uh, verses 25 through 32. Ephesians 4, 25 through through 32. Let's just read it together and then we're going to just unpack it uh, quickly together. Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. Paul says this, such an incredible reminder in our lives as Christians, but especially in regard to just all that goes on around us in our world and society today. He says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one body, that is, we're the church. He says, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. He says, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 
Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. Now I want us first of all to think about this. The context here, point number one, is that as Christians we are one body. We're one body. He says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for uh, we are members of one another. And so Paul says, first we must put away falsehood. That is, we speak truthfully. Now, obviously, he's instructing us to deal with one another in an honest way. And did you know dealing with one another honestly also means when we have uh, something against someone, ought against someone, that we actually deal with that, that we verbalize it, that we don't stuff it down, unless it's just something frivolous. But also we would have us see this, he says, to put off, this is the decision in the life of believers to live a holy life. It's a deliberate taking off of the old man. We had a baptism this morning, perfect picture of putting off the old and entering into the new. Uh, and this is foundational that daily as believers, we have this decision to live a holy life. We are called to live a holy life. And that's a decision that we make every day because it's so easy for me to put back on the old man, the old Josh, and to live as sinful Josh instead of, of who God has called me to be. But Paul says we are all members of one body speaking to the church here. And this has many applications. Today we're specifically talking about anger, which he addresses but he says we're members of one body. And the idea here, and Paul uses this analogy all throughout his writings, that if you're like me, you know, sometimes I'm just walking and I just randomly drop my phone. And I'm like, man, why am I so clumsy? But I don't look at my hand and say, okay, th that's the last time you're doing that. And lop, off goes my hand. Because that would be harmful to me. In the same way as Christians, as members of the church, we're going to have moments where we don't get along. We're going to have moments where we're offended or we're angry with one another, but the solution is not, no, I'm just going to chop you out. It's we learn how to work with one another and we extend forgiveness and we learn how to manage our emotions as God has called us to. Second thought this morning, and this is really where we get into it. Paul says this um, in Ephesians 4:26: be angry and don't sin. And so the thought is anger is sometimes okay, but it must be dealt with the right way way. Now I did not intend for that to rhyme, but this morning Dr. Seuss in it up in here. Uh, anger is sometimes okay, but it must be dealt with the right way. Paul says, Ephesians 4 26, be angry and do not sin. Now I think sometimes as Christians we get this false mentality that oh we shouldn't be angry. Let me ask you, who gave you that emotion? Who gave you all the emotions that you experienced? Well, God did. And so if it's a God-given thing, it can't be sinful. Now, how we manage that emotion, how we express that emotion is often sinful, unfortunately. But anger in and of itself is not necessarily destructive or a problem. In fact, anger has a beneficial purpose. We need it. It's a good thing. Well, why is that? Because anger lets us know often when there's a problem. Uh, you know, if, if, if someone is intending to harm my kids, guess what's going to happen? They're going to get the anger of mom and dad rain down upon them. 
Because anger is the emotion that says, hey, there's a problem that needs to be corrected. Sometimes in my relationships with people, they do something that angers me because they've crossed a line they shouldn't cross. And that lets me know, hey, someone is crossing boundaries. They're pushing in an area they shouldn't be pushing. The anger is a normal response. Think about Jesus. Jesus got angry. When the hucksters and the money changers were in the temple, Jesus drives them out. Um, angry, righteously angry. When I look at our society, friends, sometimes I just get angry because I see destructive forces at work and I know those destructive forces will trickle down and they'll hurt people and it just makes me mad. But I have to remember to channel that anger correctly. So let's ask this question. When does anger become sinful? Well, anger is always a sin when it prompts us to hurt someone else in any way. It's always sinful when we hurt others. It's always sinful when it leads to aggression. Uh, It's always sinful when we vent our anger in such a way that it makes us feel good, but it causes destruction around us. Um, That is a wrong way to use anger. And sometimes it can be physically hurting someone. Sometimes it's the words that we say, talking bad about people behind their back, demeaning or embarrassing people. You know, I've seen husbands and wives do this, where one spouse will demean the other spouse in front of people. It's wrong. Even even in jest, it's it's, it's wrong. Um, Treating people in a way that we wouldn't like to be treated, trying to make people look bad, intimidating people, being passively aggressive. Have you ever met somebody that was passive aggressive church? They smile on your face and they act like everything is good but underneath, oh man, they are in it to get you. Paul says we're to put off the ways of the world. So what is a correct response to anger? Let's look at the remainder of these verses together. Verse 26, I want us to see a correct response to anger. Paul says, be angry. It's okay to be angry. Here's the caveat, and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So Paul says, in your anger, don't sin. But then he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. That is to say, anger needs to be dealt with in a certain time frame. Paul says, or it gives the devil an opportunity in our lives and a foothold in our lives. He says, so be angry, but do not sin. Don't give the devil access into our lives. Don't let your anger be unresolved or unexamined or undealt with for too long. So how do we, how do we shut the door? How do we deal with our anger um, in a productive frame of time? Well, let's talk about that. Uh, I think the first question we have to ask, and when it involves dealing with our anger, is we have to know why we're angry in the first place. Now, maybe that sounds like a silly thing, but sometimes when you say, hey, what are you so mad about? The only answer people can give you is, well, I'm just mad. But here's what I know about anger. Anger is what's called a secondary emotion. That is to say, there's always other emotions present when anger is present. Anger is always linked to another emotion. And so when we're angry, we have to ask ourselves, why am I angry? Sometimes it's a physical need. Maybe you're tired. You notice that? People get, tend to get edgier when they're tired. Maybe you're hungry. It's where the phrase hangry comes into place. Do y'all ever get hangry? 
It's the story of my life. I know when, I'm, when it's time for lunch. Uh, Charles Stanley put it this way one time, and I liked it. He said, he uses the acronym HALT. Am I hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? If I'm any one of those things, I kind of need to pause and be reminded um, that I may be a bit more on edge. But, you know, people get angry over a lot of things. It could be rejection. Um, I've seen husbands and wives have these huge bursts of anger back and forth because one or both of them is too prideful or scared to really admit what's at the bottom of it whether that is rejection or past hurt or um, a behavior that one or the other has, they won't deal with it. Instead, they'll just live their lives married and miserable and angry. There's all kinds of emotion that brings out anger. I have learned in my own life, and when it comes to anger, that when I'm fearful, when I'm frightened, I get angry. And my wife really had to work with me because, you know, we'd have a kid walking across the back of the couch, fall down and bloody their nose. And instead of me saying, oh my goodness, how can I help you? I want to say, why were you walking on the back of the couch, right? Because in that moment, I'm scared and it comes out as anger. So underneath anger, there's always an emotion that's sort of masquerading or hiding. Why am I angry? Second thought is this, and Paul will bear this out. We have to deal with our anger in a timely manner. Have to deal with our anger in a timely manner, but also we don't deal with it too quickly in the moment while we're angry. Because a lot of times we get angry and we want to deal with it in that moment and the only thing that comes out of us is destruction. As a matter of fact, in Proverbs, Proverbs 29, 20, it says this, do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Let me remind you this. When you get angry, uh, something biochemically happens in your body. These, these chemicals are dumped into your body, and in that moment, fight or flight is initiated. And in fight or flight, all of anything extra that's going on in your brain is shut off because your body feels like it's responding to a threat. And so your ability to reason and think rationally goes out the window. And so I always try to remind people, when you are really angry, that is not the time to try to have a conversation and to resolve something. In fact, it's time to go take a walk, whatever you do, and cool down. So in the moment is not a great time, but also what a lot of people will do is after they cool down, they won't go back and actually address the problem, and the problem doesn't get fixed, and it stews, and it stews, and it stews. So we don't address it the second it happens. Neither do we ignore it or wait a long time. We calm down, and biblically, we go and deal with the problem. Conflict delayed is always conflict intensified. What else do we do when it comes to our anger? Well, certainly we see what God has to say, which is what we're doing this morning, but also we pray. You know, I'm a firm believer if we invite God into a problem, I'm crazy enough to think that he will show up and work in the area that we have invited him into. So take your anger and your emotions and your hurts and your struggles and whatever is in your suitcase and bring it to God and say, God, can we work in this area together? But also we have to deal with the problem behind the anger. Friends, you know what? People can't read your mind. And sometimes I've seen it happen in a church setting so often where somebody gets offended by somebody else And they carry it and they carry it and they carry it and the other person has no clue. I'll tell you a story about uh, the church I used to be at, Trout Creek. There was two guys. And uh, this sounds so silly, but it's a true story. It was two guys and we went camping. And on this camping trip, one guy wore a pair of flip-flops. And he had the longest toes I've ever seen. 
just an observation. Well, this other guy started calling him, just in jest, Twinkle Toes. Well, if I'm lying, I'm dying. Uh, the one guy got offended by that and just drops out, just doesn't come back to men's ministry. The other guy has no idea that he even offended him. Now, I tell you that to tell you this, people can't read your mind. If you're hurt, bothered, angry, your scriptural mandate is to go talk to the person that offended you. Don't believe me? Here's what Jesus says, Matthew 18, 15. If your brother or your sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you, and if they listen to you, you've won them over. This is exactly what my mom did with me. She said, hey, this is a problem in your life. Let me share it with you. Didn't like it. Same way if somebody offends you, you're bothered by it, go talk to the person. Deal with the problem. How do we deal with our anger? Last thought here. We have to remember this. No one can offend us greater than we ourselves have offended God. No one can offend us greater than we ourselves have offended God. And so I'm going to remind you that we're, our mandate is always to forgive because God has forgiven us. There shouldn't be anything anyone can do to us where we say, you know what, never will I forgive you. Well, let me remind you of how you have offended a perfect holy God, me as well. And God forgave us. But this is what I've learned about people. You know, we are interesting beings. And often, I've seen it play out a thousand times, hurt people hurt people. And so maybe it would do us well when someone hurts us to ask ourselves, perhaps the reason they hurt us is because they themselves are also hurt. Now, it's not an excuse. I'm not saying that. But it would do well when we administer grace and mercy to remember that hurt people hurt people. And I've seen it. Uh, there's a classic example where the dad's at work and the boss is real hard on him, but he can't talk back to the boss. So he goes home and he just grills out his wife and then she takes it out on the kids. The kid kicks the dog and the dog chases the cat. It's just the stream of one to another. Sometimes that's how it is. So we have to remember to give one another grace. Let's close out our, our passage together. Ephesians 4.26. He says, be angry don't sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Don't give the devil an opportunity to wreak destruction in your life. Verse 28, this idea of change, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands that he may have something to share with anyone in need. But then I think it would do well as we close out to remember verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is as good for building up, building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear, grace to those who hear. Then he goes on, verse 30, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, were sealed, let all bitterness, this is a catch-all, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, slander, let it be put away from you. Unpack the suitcase along with all malice. And then here's what he says, look at verse 32. Oh, if we could remember this as Christians, be kind to one another. Now he's speaking specifically to Christians, but may I say this too? We should be kind to people that aren't Christians as well. And don't be surprised when people who aren't Christians act like people who aren't Christians. Be kind and tender-hearted to one another, forgiving one another. Check it out. It's God in Christ forgave you. No one can offend me more than I have offended the Lord. So this morning as we close out this series, can I ask you a question? I'm going to either way. Um, 
is there anything in your suitcase you've been dragging it around, stumbling over it, hoping nobody knows about it, maybe even lying to yourself that this isn't a problem? Is there anything in your suitcase that today you need to say, okay, God, today we're unzipping the bag. We're going to lay it all out in the light. God, today I'm going to be honest and say this is a problem and it's my problem. But I'm not alone in this problem because, God, I'm inviting it, you into it. I'm confessing it to you. I'm inviting you to work in this area in my life. And, God, also I'm going to take this to one other person that I trust who can hold me accountable and who can speak truth and grace and love into my life but also remind me that what this is in my bag is not okay but I'm still loved and that, God, you can help me to work this out of my life and you'll redeem my past for my future good. What is the next step that God is calling you to take in this moment? Maybe it's to clean out your suitcase. Maybe it's, you know what, I've never given my life to God, so I can't even really dig into this because I've been trying to do it on my, on my own all this time. Maybe today your next step is to say, you know what, I'm a sinner. I need to repent. I need to place my trust and faith in what Jesus Christ has done for me. Maybe that's what you need to do today. Maybe part of the difficulty is, you know what, you've been coming to this church for a while and you're not a church member and you're sort of outside the fellowship. And God is saying, you know what, you need to join the church and to be a part of this church body. Maybe that's what God's calling you to. Or maybe he's just simply saying, you know what, there's some changes I need to make. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's how you talk to people. Maybe it's unforgiveness. I don't know your heart, but you do. What is God calling you to do today? Here's my only prayer for you. that Whatever God asks you to do, that you would be faithful to say, okay, God, you've called me to it. I know you'll enable me to walk through it. Let's work together. That's my only prayer for you is that you'd be obedient and respond to whatever God is asking you to do. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you today thanking you that we can join together, Lord. I, I thank you, Lord, that church is such a blessing and that it's such a joy, God, that you put other people in our lives that we can... Um, encourage and be encouraged by, that we can do life with, that we can have fun with, Lord. And God, I pray that every Sunday morning would just be a celebration, that it would be a time of joy, that it would be a time to where we get to sing praises unto your name and to worship you and to open your word and to fellowship with one another. But God, I pray that our, our Christian walk wouldn't just be a Sunday morning thing, God. I pray that we would be reminded that this is a church building, but we're the church. Lord, help us to be the church everywhere we go, in the grocery store and at work, um, when we're home, when we're out, during recreation, whatever we're doing, Lord. I pray that we would be reminded that we have this calling to reach other people. So Lord, I pray that we'd be faithful to do that. Lord, this morning, if you're calling us to take another step, whether that is um, to, to come to know you and place our trust in you, to become a member of the church, Lord, to unpack our bag and clean things out, to confess sins, to restore relationship, whatever you're asking us to do, Oh God, may we be faithful to do that. Lord, we want you to know that we love you. We're thankful for your grace, your mercy, and your love. All these things we pray in your name. Amen.